This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 4057 for Tuesday, the 20th of February, 2024. Today's show is entitled, Raspberry Pi and Astro Imaging. It is hosted by Andrew Conway and is about 31 minutes long. It carries a clean flag. The summary is, on how to build a cheap Astro Imager using a Raspberry Pi. Hello, Hacker Public Radio people. It is McNallow here, also known as Andrew. And I want to tell you about some adventures which I think I mentioned I was going to embark on in a previous Hacker Public Radio episode. Let me just check. This is live exciting actions. Yes, it was the... It was Hacker Public Radio episode 38... 3857, yesterday I saw a solar flare. Now, if you listen to that and recall it, and I can't blame you if neither reply, but uh, what, I, what happened in that is that I realised I could see solar flares as, as well as many other things through this small solar telescope that I have access to. And I also saw uh, an unusual plane. It was a US military plane possibly returning back from the um uh, from Ukraine maybe uh was it a C17 Globemaster four engined um transport type plane i forget anyway what i wanted to do after seeing that was well could i hook up a rudimentary camera so that if i see something like that again i can record it for posterity um well yes the answer is that um, in the months following, I did exactly as I intended to do, and I got the camera working. I saw more planes pass in front of the sun through the camera, but unfortunately, I just happened not to be recording at the time. Or if I have recorded one, I haven't noticed it yet in um, sifting through, because I haven't sifted through all the frames of recording that I've done. That's the other problem. Yes, you can record stuff, but how do you find interesting stuff? Anyway, so what I wanted to tell you about is the rather more... Uh, interesting adventure that this turned out to be. Um, so what I did was, is I initially I took a Raspberry Pi two or Raspberry Pi three that I had lying around, and then I had the idea of taking the Raspberry Pi camera and stuffing it into where you would put the eyepiece in the telescope. I have seen people do this. In fact, this is exactly what you do with many. Um, uh, cameras and telescopes. I mean, there's better ways. You can s screw them on, and, and uh, f I think that's the better way. But any telescope has a it's a one and a quarter inch barrel traditionally, and usually put eyepieces in there. But with a suitable adapter, you can put a camera in there. Unfortunately, the Raspberry Pi camera has no such suitable adapter, at least not one that you can buy off the shelf. So um, I uh, approached Dave Morris. Uh, uh, and he very kindly offered to print me uh, from a 3D printed design somebody else created um, an eyepiece adapter for a Raspberry Pi camera, and uh, and this uh, this was done. And he sent me, in fact, sent me two a prototype and um, one in black, uh, which is black is obviously the best color when you're dealing with telescope optics. But the prototype one was in blue, so I gave the 
the blue one to a friend of mine who's also into Raspberry Pis and astronomy, and I kept the black one for myself. And uh, and I attached the Raspberry Pi camera to it, popped it in, uh, I popped it in the solar telescope. I can't remember which one I tried first, but I, I possibly tested it in an, a normal astronomical nighttime telescope first, but focused in a tree, just, uh, well, trained in a tree so I could focus it. Um, and then once I got the, figured out the commands on the command line to get, um, an image out of it, I then took it to the, uh, to the solar telescope. Now, I don't actually remember, um, the commands I used back, uh, in those early days. Maybe was this June or was this July last year? I can't remember, but it's summertime last year. So there wasn't much prospect of trying it out at nighttime, but there was plenty of sunlight. Well, for Glasgow, anyway, there was more sunlight than there was other stars at that time of year in Glasgow because our, our nights are very short and they don't get very dark either. So, um, yeah, I stuffed it into the eyepiece of the solar telescope and then focusing was tricky, actually, um, uh, as was getting the sun in the field of view. In fact, that was the first problem is the Raspberry Pi camera's sensor is actually rather small. So... Uh, it can't actually fit the whole of the sun at once in the sensor, I don't think, or it nearly can, but you lose bits are chopped off the side. Anyway, that, that, that that's not a big deal. Um, after I figured out how to focus it, um, I got some acceptable images and I could certainly see sunspots and by, and I couldn't vary the exposure at this point. I think I was using, I think it was the, I, I forget what the command was, not the, was the, the the old suite of commands which I've completely forgotten now. One of them you put in option minus T zero and it does this kind of infinite stream preview stream on the screen. Um but I quickly found that if I wanted to use the latest uh, Raspberry Pi OS, then I had to embrace the new lib camera based Pi Camera 2 um uh, Python suite and also the lib camera tool. So the equivalent tool for what I was doing was libcamera-hello. And that's a very, like a hello world thing where you just type in the thing and it shows you something from the camera um, and gives you very little control or anything else over it. And then I graduated to lib camera still, which allows you to take stills, lib camera video, which allows you to take video. And then uh, the, the hardest code amongst them, lib camera raw, which enables you to extract raw files. Um, so I had quite a lot of uh, success with that. Um, I got some half-decent images of the sun. Um, but then I quickly found that the small sensor of the Raspberry Pi cameras, it, although not a big deal when you're using the sun, when I put them in my astronomical telescope, the field of view was so tiny, you know, it was like, uh, I don't know, maybe a fifth or a sixth of the area of the moon, that for finding the moon and maybe a bright planet, you could just about, with a bit of patience, get away with it. Um, but, you know, it, the field of view was so small that if you were looking for something that you couldn't readily see in a short exposure, and by short exposure, I mean maybe by terrestrial terms, quite a long one, um, what, 200 milliseconds, a fifth of a second, uh, something like that. Um, if I couldn't see the object at that time, at that exposure, then, and the, with the, such a tiny field of view dictated by the sensor, 
uh, it was very hard to use the Raspberry Pi camera. So I kind of scratched my head about this. Um, I could switch to another telescope, but I didn't actually have access to a, a telescope with a, a wider, that would give me a wider field of view. Um, a, what you need is a short focal length telescope, and all telescopes that I have access to through the Astronomical Society of Glasgow have long focal lengths, uh, two metres, <laughs> one's got four metre focal length. Uh, what I needed was one that was, you know, sub one metre, well under, you know, ideally, you know, a few hundred millimetre focal length. Um, but I didn't have one. Uh, so the other thing I could do was look at other Raspberry Pi cameras. And so I discovered that the Raspberry Pi HQ camera is a higher resolution sensor, but it is, a, it is the largest, it's physically the largest area. I think it's 6.3 millimeters across. I forget what the normal Raspberry Pi sensor is, maybe like four millimeters, but it's much smaller. So that extra area of the sensor uh, was very valuable um, to increase my field of view. So I went to that and then maybe it gets me to a third of the area of the full moon on the astronomical telescope that I was using, which is a, a mid ETX 90 EC, if anyone cares. 90 refers to the diameter of the aperture being 90 millimeters. So a small telescope, but quite a capable one. Um, so also what I did, so I, I ordered a Raspberry Pi high quality camera. I also ordered a Raspberry Pi Zero. Um, this was so um, for portability and also just for low power, uh, sorry, it was a, a Pi Zero W. I would rather have gone for a Pi Zero, the, sec the second generation, I think they're called, Pi Zero 2, is that right? Um, but the, you couldn't get them at the time, uh, still shortages. But the Pi Zero W I could get, so I went with one of, one of those. And it came with a, and I chose a nice little case, red and white, I think it was the official case. It's really neat. I can actually just strap it, Velcro it, blue tack it, or with an elastic band of some kind, strap it into the size of the telescope. It was that easy, you know. Uh, and so light, it's not going to interfere with the motion of the telescope and its tracking. Um, as it, it's trying to track the Earth's rotation, which is essential when you've got a telescope and a, you know, a rather small field of view and fairly high magnification. Um, but the other good thing about the Raspberry Pi HQ camera is it's got a, a screw-threaded mount, so you can screw lenses into it. So I bought a lens, um, which I've also played with and taken terrestrial and nighttime photos with, uh, and it's, it's very good. And, uh, and with that, the focal length varies between 28 millimeters and 12 millimeters. So I've got a ridiculously large field of view, but a very small aperture. So it's not great for astronomy. It's like a mini teeny weeny telescope. So it's good for like photographing, photographing the whole of a constellation, like Orion, for instance. And then you don't need to worry about tracking so much because you can maybe take a 10 second exposure and then the, the stars won't trail as the Earth rotates. Anyway, so uh, the Raspberry HQ camera, as, as I was saying, has a thread on it and you can actually buy an adapter. So you can, you can screw the lens in or you can screw this adapter in and the adapter is, um, is basically a cylinder that you can just shove into a piece of any telescope. So that's what I did. Uh, and incidentally, the thread is a, a slightly non-standard, unusual, shall we say, um, uh, a, a mounting for a lens. It's called a C mount or a CS mount. They're, I think they're the same thread size, about an inch in diameter. Um, but uh, I think it's... You know, most your 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 DSLRs, your proper cam uh, daytime cameras, um, they have a much larger 
uh, lens, lens attachment. I think it's screw thread. Is it 42 millimeters? I'm not sure. I think it is. Um, but this is much smaller. This is like 25 millimeters or so. Is it, I, th I read somewhere it was about an inch. Um, and it's C or CS. And I think they're the same size threads, but different thicknesses or something, different depths to, um, to, because you, sometimes you need different, um, it's called back focus. The, dis the, the distance between, uh, actually, I don't really know what back focus is. I sort of know it's not the focus of the telescope or the lens. It's happening at the back of the sensor. Anyway, I'm not being too concerned about whatever the back focus may be uh, by definition because the Raspberry Pi HQ camera also comes with a little knurled ring, which is a back focus adjustment. So if the, the focusing of your lens or your telescope isn't enough, then you can adjust focus at the back of your optical assembly, at the camera, in fact, um, um, with this ring that's on the Raspberry Pi HQ camera. It's a 12 mega megapixel camera. Uh, it's got tiny little pixels. Uh, it's 4056 by 2028, though I've discovered in my playing with it that two of those rows of or columns of the 2028 are always zero. So, you, so it's actually... 4056 by 2026. Sorry, that's the, that's the, uh, no, I've got that completely wrong. I've got that completely wrong. It's 4056 by 3040. And it's the last four pixels of the 4056 uh, that don't display. Right, yeah. Now, the reason that I got confused there is not only because I'm slightly scatterbrained and forgetful, but because I rarely use it at that resolution for two reasons. One, uh, the if the, the the Raspberry Pi Zero really struggles to run at any kind of decent frame rate or cope with the memory or write the enormous file sizes. And secondly, none of the optics that I have really justify it. Um, well, the, the optics of teles bigger telescopes might... But in any case, for astronomical objects, you're also up against the motions of the atmosphere, what astronomers call the seeing. So if you've seen a star twinkling, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, it may look like make the star look nice and pretty to you, but the more a star twinkle, the worse the seeing is, the more disrupted the light is as it passes through the atmosphere. So instead of seeing what should be a perfect pinprick of light that lands exactly inside one pixel in your sensor, you get a disc. You get the star dances about and over any exposure will create a disc on your image. There's, that's not the image of the star, that is just the star dancing around because it's twinkling as its light moves through the Earth's atmosphere and gets refracted and wiggled around all over the place. That is what limits you. So there's no point having, like, using this Raspberry Pi HQ camera as its full resolution. Um, much better to use it as a a three megapixel camera, or maybe even bin it further, um, because you're not gaining gaining anything anything by it. In fact, you're losing stuff because, if, especially if the Raspberry Pi and your storage fills up, the Raspberry Pi can't cope with it, and the storage fills up, and it's not buying you anything. Don't do it. Uh, so, uh, so I usually use it as uh, in a two times two binning mode, which puts it at two o two eight by one. 520, and then the last two pixels of the 2028 uh, are always zero, I discovered. So, um, that was great, you know, and I was able to produce um, JPEGs 
uh, and other formats from uh, the, the the lib camera suite on the command line very easily, and I got quite good at it. And I started to take some okayish pictures of the sun and sunspots. I hadn't really got anywhere with any astronomical objects at this point. Um, and then that took me up until the summer, uh, at some point during the summer, maybe July, August, I got to this point. And then I, I was accompanied by a couple of people out at the observatory that the Astronomical Society has. And in the first visit, a nice chap called Frank, he helped me find the setting in the solar telescope that brought out all the features, the sunspots, the active regions, the prominences. Um, you By adjusting the etalon, it's what selects the wave, precise wavelength that you're looking at. Because when you look at the sun, you need to stop down the light tremendously. I mean, I guess you're throwing away over 99% of the light. Um, but if you're clever, you don't just throw it away. You throw, what you do is you filter it down to one wavelength, and that wavelength is hydrogen alpha, which will bring out features that involve hydrogen, which is what the sun and all stars are mostly made of. So uh, using this hydrogen alpha filter, and I think it's a wavelength of 656 nanometers, don't shoot me if I'm wrong, but that's what I recall. Um, anyway, it's a long wavelength, it's a red end of this visible spectrum. Um, and Frank twiddled the thing, uh, this etalon adjustment collar on the solar telescope until we had a, a great image. Uh, I was really pleased with that. Then a short while afterwards, another chap in the Astronomical Society, our most expert imager, Sinclair, he came along. He wanted to go in the solar telescope. He had his own uh, camera, which wasn't colour, uh, and it wasn't even as high resolution as the Raspberry Pi camera. But the one thing it could do better is it had no infrared filter inside it, which there is. Unfortunately, the Raspberry Pi HQ camera doesn't come with the no IR option, so you're stuck with a, a, a red uh, infrared filter, which chops out stuff at the red end of the spectrum, which is not great when you're looking at a red wavelength in a solar telescope. So his um, astronomical planetary camera didn't have an infrared filter. And also, it was he was capable of the driver... A USB 3 driver to a much faster, well, fairly bog standard laptop, to be honest. It was, it was, it was a much faster throughput of signal uh, compared to what the Raspberry Pi Zero could do. And with that, he was able, to, I think, was he able to get a, uh, he was able to get 30 to 60 frames per second. And so, you know, you know, you could very quickly suck down a thousand frames. Of the sun. Now, the reason that's important is he was getting ex he could do so with exposures as short as I think six milliseconds. Now, the reason that's important is the shorter your exposure, the greater your chances of happening to get a moment when the atmosphere is still, when you just get a moment of clarity where there's not a lot of turbulence in the atmosphere. And then the idea is that you take maybe a thousand images and you throw away say seven hundred of them. And from the 300 that are left, you align them so they're all on top of each other, stack them, and then you can process them to bring out one image that's far clearer than any individual image, or indeed the 700 images that were distorted by the atmosphere that you threw away. So with that technique, he produced a fantastic image of the sun. Um, and the other thing that I learned was, well, a solar telescope could do better. When I examined the specs of his camera, I found it had a Sony IMX sensor, monochrome, so it didn't have bare pixels, which give you the colours, um, which was an advantage and a disadvantage, but the pixels were bigger and they were lower resolution, uh, which didn't really matter 
that much, I think, for what we were doing, because it was near the resolution power of that small solar telescope. So I was thinking, well, why were his images so much better than the ones I was getting with the Raspberry Pi camera? Now, one explanation could simply be that I was really, I was struggling to get uh, decent images um, below about 20 milliseconds, whereas he could go all the way down to six. Um, I could maybe get to 10, but my images were getting quite... Uh, dim and polluted by the, the random read noise of the sensor in places. Um, so, yeah, that was a consequence, I think, purely of having this annoying infrared filter, which you can remove with surgery. There are videos of people doing it online, but I don't fancy it. Maybe I'll buy a second um, Raspberry Pi camera, uh, HQ cam uh, ca camera, and see if I can do it in that. 50 quid though, so it's, you know, if you, if you, if you destroy it <laughs> in a very delicate operation, it's 50 quid, 50 pounds is, you know, not to be sniffed at. For an astronomical camera though, 50 quid is extremely cheap. I haven't said that yet. Also, what's a Raspberry Pi cost? Well, next to nothing compared to any laptop or PC. So don't forget, rather than spending hundreds on astrophotography equipment, if you've got a telescope, you could, you could be, get yourself up and running for well under 100 quid with the Raspberry Pi stuff, uh, which is part of the point of what I'm doing, was to find a way for members of the society to get into astrophotography with the equipment that we already had without having to spend hundreds on cameras. Um, uh, and uh, also to, to play around with the Raspberry Pi and HQ camera, uh, is fun, you know, to me anyway. Uh, and you can do things with it that you can't do with other cameras where you're just constrained by the proprietary drivers that are supplied with it and software in some cases. Anyway, so back to the story. The story is, why was Sinclair able to get such fantastic images of the sun? And I couldn't. Well, the answer was, in the end, because he used me to focus the telescope. When I had been doing it, most of the time, except when the, the odd occasion when somebody else was with me, I had to focus it by myself. And it's very difficult to focus. Um, when you look at a screen and you're stood by the telescope, the glare of the sun means you can't see the screen very well. And also the, the, the focus adjustments to get it perfectly focused, I didn't realise, were minute. You know, right at the limit of what your fingers can really do. I, I could have done with a better focuser. So, my, so once I had realised that I was just not focusing the solar telescope as well as I could have done, then I knew what I had to do, is I had to write some software where I make a change to the telescope, I take a picture, I save the picture, and then press a button on the screen to say I've advanced to the next, I know, another eighth of a turn of the focuser, take a picture, press the button on the screen to say I've advanced another eighth of a turn of the focuser, or maybe I've gone too far, I want to go back, backtrack and press another button to say, no, I'm going back again by a quarter turn, you know, something like that. So that's what I did, is I wrote a little um, bit of software, and it, what it does is it runs a web server in Python and the Raspberry Pi, and then I can connect my phone to it, uh, see the picture of the thing on the screen, and then I have all the controls and buttons and the display of what's the camera, you know, a, a stream of what the camera is showing me uh, on the screen. And using this technique, I was able to get uh, results from my Raspberry Pi camera, which were which were almost as good as the one Sinclair got with his 
several hundred quid uh, astrophotography uh, level camera. Um, I say almost as good. I suspect that there's still a slight difference because I can't get down. I, can't, I need to get rid of that infrared filter somehow. That's still a, a barrier, but not as big a one as I had thought. Uh, and also, I think Sinclair is much better at processing the images afterwards and can bring out details in them, which I can't, because uh, he really spends a lot of time and has a lot of expertise with the image processing software, which, frankly, I don't know so well and probably don't have the patience to learn. Uh, but impatient, I want to go on to the next thing. So um, I think I'm nearly there. Uh, since then, uh, I've also successfully managed to shove the Raspberry Pi HQ camera with the Raspberry Pi on the back of a telescope, um, the small mid ETX, and also a bigger um, eight inch. So what's that? What two hundred millimeter telescope? Yeah, um, uh, with um, much more light collecting power, but a longer focal length, so an even smaller field of view. And I successfully managed to image Jupiter and the the moons. Um, I saw Ganymede go into an outer eclipse using it. I've been able to live stream um, from that camera across the web so other people can watch. Um, I've imaged, what else have I imaged? I've found the planet Uranus, which is pretty straightforward, really, once you know where to look. Um, I've got uh, image Venus, which is pretty dull. Mars, which is too small. I haven't Saturn's not been favourably placed yet. The moon, yeah, I've done the moon and I've managed to do the Pleiades star cluster and a few other things. What I haven't managed to do yet is uh, capture any galaxies or, or, or a nebula with it. I've also tried instead of using a telescope, screwing the small camera lens with the short focal length and with that I've managed to photograph constellations like famously Orion, the notable winter constellation here in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, so with all of this, um, a Raspberry Pi, uh, sorry, with the Raspberry Pi Zero W and the HQ camera and a little bit of know-how and put together software and how Raspberry Pis work, you can do a lot with, um, with them for under 100 quid if you already have a telescope. Um, if you don't have a telescope for another, well, under, I'll leave another maybe £40 I think I spent, you can buy one of these cheap lenses um, and have a lot of fun with that. And you don't even need to be tracking. You know, you can still take 10 second exposures and, and see some really nice stuff. I'm in a light polluted place and I'm still doing something with it. If I take it out somewhere darker, like where our observatory is, still near the city, you can go further. So I really do, especially if you're a, if you're in the countryside, if you're away from cities, this is a really capable setup, even without a telescope, just with this little lens. Um, where am I going to go next with this? Well, I, I haven't quite pushed it to its limits yet. One thing I discovered recently is even in this light polluted suburb that I live in, outside the city of Glasgow, um, I can, with a small telescope, it's only 90 millimetres uh, in ap diameter ap in aperture, I'm able to see stars down to 16th magnitude in exposures of, well, maybe a, a five minute exposures. It's 10 second exposures or five second exposures stacked over the space of about five minutes. Um, I can see 16th magnitude stars. Now, what does that mean if you're not an astronomer? Well, uh, the dimmest, the brightest stars in the sky are about magnitude zero. And as the number gets bigger, the stars get dimmer. 
uh, by magnitude six, you're really not going to see any stars with the naked eye uh, that are dimmer than that. Um, through a telescope, you maybe get, depending on where you are and what kind of telescope you've got, you can maybe get down below magnitude 10. Um, but to get to magnitude 16 in a light polluted suburb of Glasgow with a 90 millimeter aperture telescope is just blowing my mind, to be honest. I had no idea. Like, when I was growing up, that was the thing that you did with giant big telescopes and mountain tops. Uh, I had no idea you could do this. Um, and uh, to give you an idea for how dim this is, for every five magnitudes you go down, you're dropping in um, the energy in the light or power in the light, technically watts per square metre, you're dropping a factor of 100. Right? So if I go from limits of the human eye, which is magnitude 6, 10 magnitudes down to uh, magnitude, uh, uh, magnitude 16, that's two times five. That's a hundred times a hundred. That's a that's a ten thousandth uh, of uh, drop in watts per square meter. It's a, it's, a, it's phenomenal. <laughs> it just it blows my mind that this is possible. And I don't think I've reached it yet. My calculations, if it's if I'm right, mean that if I'm looking somewhere near the top of the sky where light pollution is most favourable, I could probably push the setup down to magnitude twenty, which frankly is just. If you told the 10-year-old me that this was the case, (laughs) that later in my life, from the suburb of Glasgow, I would use a small telescope and look down to magnitude 16 or dimmer, uh, I just would not have believed you. So it's it's, it's remarkable. So I'm not going to go for the pretty pictures. I've done a little bit of pretty pictures. My pictures aren't that pretty. That's not really where my talents lie. Other people can do that better than me. But I'm now interested in what's called photometry, uh, which is measuring the brightness of things. What can you do with that? you can find exoplanets, planets going around other stars. That is now in shooting range of the small rig that I've got. Not discovering new ones, I don't think. I'd be very lucky to do that. But certainly, uh, I'll be able to detect existing ones. Maybe find asteroids and comets. Um, That's just a matter of taking enough pictures. Um, The other thing that I'm I'm keen to do is the software that drives it, that I've written in Python, I've improved and improved, and now it can actually steer the telescope too. Um, with the help of a software, free software like Stellarium or K-Stars. But I don't even need that software. I can manually slew it around the sky uh, myself now, which is quite a handy thing to be able to do, all from my phone using the web interface that I've created. Um, yeah, it's great fun. I've really enjoyed it. So um, if you're into astronomy or even slightly interested in it, but you're good with Raspberry Pis and can do a bit of coding, this is actually a fun thing to do. It's something where you could really get somewhere in a fairly short space of time. So I hope that wasn't too detailed. Hope that gave you a flavour of what I was doing. I could probably talk for at least... I probably could keep talking indefinitely about this. <laughs> so, but I think what I'll do uh, is I'll stop there. And maybe if there's demand, if there's interest, I might go into a bit more detail about what I've done and I should share the source code. Um, usual reason I haven't uh, it's because it's all a bit messy and I need to tidy it up I'm a bit embarrassed uh, to share it as it is but I will do soon Um, and I'd welcome other people if they want to get involved uh, improve upon what I've done or take it off in a different direction that would be great that's really what I'm looking for here so hope you enjoyed it please uh, do a show of your own if you're into astronomy or leave comments I'd love to read them okay thanks bye bye 
have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR has been kindly provided by anhonesthost.com, the Internet Archive and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License. 